0: meowing okay you're ruining the podcast we back we're back okay okay. Uh, but, okay yes if you're like me you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast the pope on film i mean who is it everybody loves it it's sweeping the nation it's swiffer wet jetting the nation but only uh the real fans the hardcore fans who have been with us since the beginning would know the two main facts about the both of us. The two undeniably re- really real and in no way made up on the spot facts about the both of us. America's hottest podcasting couple Bunny and Steve. I, uh, Bunny and maylin Sorry. Bunny and maylin I'd like to once again point out that we have such a good dynamic Bunny, such a good rapport that uh, my friend Aurelia actually thought that we were married. I, I, I
1: I saw that from somebody. I don't remember who.
0: I still think that's wonderfully hilarious. I know that there's a lot of sexual tension between Bunny and I. Oh, but God, just yeah. keep it in your pants, people. <laughs> Save it for AO3. So, uh, the f- first and foremost, Bunny, the first fact, which is about you... Is the fact that when you are not doing the podcast, you're in fact a celebrated proctologist in the greater Colorado Springs area. So tell me, Bunny, what in your life led you to become a proctologist? And also, what sets you apart from other proctologists out there?
1: Well, first, I became a a proctologist because I just love assholes you know ever since i was a kid i was just a real just a, a real asshole person and, and any time i could be around an asshole was the happiest moments of my life now as for being a celebrated pra- a celebrated proctologist that is a little confusing and i do want to straighten you know straighten that out it's not so much that i am a practi- practitioner to uh, to famous celebrities, politicians, corporate magnates, or people of this kind, I, I I am more of a celebrated proctologist because I have a mariachi band. So when I'm nice. forming proctological examinations, there there is really a swinging combo going on behind me, you know, because
0: because yeah, the
1: asshole. Is something to truly, truly be celebrated with your fingers just and getting a good look in there with the flashlight between your teeth and like, ooh, I found peanuts. That's it. Antonio Banderas behind Uh, me with the guitar. That's it.
0: uh, Message for future bunny. This should be the thumbnail, because I'm looking really good right now. <laughs> this should be the thumbnail for me. For I look great. Okay. Uh, uh, and the second fact, which would be about me, is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. And so, this is the part of the podcast where I find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know that well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is another educationally uneducational installment of Historic Approximations, or as we like to call it, ha! Give me some dramatic music, bunny. Dun, dun, dun! And to be clear, that is capital H, capital A, but small p, that small p is crucial. It's important. It's vital to the entire ebb and flow of the whole podcast. Also, this podcast did used to be called Steve's Historic Approximations, or Shap, as we like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wanted us to or not. However, a dead name is dead for a reason, and so we are moving on. So what is happening on half this week? I have got a short, sharp shaft, a short, sharp half about two comic strip characters from France that I think got the shaft, the royal shaft as we could say, and the people, the men and woman that shafted our two comic strip character heroes. Um, and the the the, the uh, men and woman who shafted our two heroes are super famous household names. So to keep the suspense of the half, I won't be dropping the names of the people who screwed our two heroes until the end of the story. And I'd like to take this time to say if at any point in time anyone listening to this figures out what this half is really about, please don't spoil it for anyone else. Okay? Let's try and keep the suspense alive. No spoilers. Okay. Did you get all that Bunny? Are you ready?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: Okay. Let's do this. <coughs> the two characters are two heroes, both literally and figuratively, are named Johan and Peewick. Uh-huh. Those names are not those names are not household names in America, but I think that they should be. Johan and Peewit; they, they these names should be super famous names. I saw the Johan and Pee-Wit movie in theaters as a child.
1: They they just go together what? like Lennon and McCartney.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh you got shirt? Your- chocolate and my peanut butter. You, you got my peanut butter and your chocolate. Um, And their creator, Johann and Piewit's creator, was a man named Pierre Cooley Ford. And again, let me just say, if at any time you figure out what this half is really about, please don't spoil the ending. No spoilers. So, Pierre Cooley Ford was born in Brussels in 1928. He loved to draw and when he became a little bit older, he thought he hit the big time when he was hired for an animation studio. Ooh! Hey, it's the big time for our boy Pierre. But no, the studio opened and then they quickly closed. But for Pierre, he knew for his small time working at this animation studio, he knew that drawing was his passion. So we morning. started gotcha. So we started making daily comics. Comic strips for newspapers until he hit the big time see there's a very popular French French Belgian weekly comics strip magazine called spirou it started in 1938 and it still comes out weekly to this day which I think is impressive it was created to compete compete with the popular French comics of the day like Tintin and so on so in 1952 Johan and Peewit started appearing in Spearoo magazine which was very much the big time Johan and Peewit was a comic strip set in medieval times oh this is important medieval times very sword and sorcery type stuff uh evil sorcerers around a cauldron making spells. Maybe there's an animal that is the evil uh, sorcerer's pet. This is all, again, very important to the story. It'll all make sense at the end. But this was said in the medieval times. It stars Johan, the brave young debonair page to the king, the, t- the king is never named, and Peewit was his, for lack of a better word. And I'm quoting directly from Wikipedia: Peewit was Johann's midget sidekick, his comedy relief, the the asterisk and obelisk sort of French Belgian relationship that was Johann and Peewit. Johann was the hero. Peewit was the the tiny little guy. Johan and Peewit ran in this prestigious Spiru magazine for years and years. They were collected into books, graphic novels, small toy figurines were made, wink noise in parentheses, puppets, and an okay amount of merchandise. Not as much as what was to come, but uh, we're almost there. We're almost there. So, Johan and Peewit got into medieval adventures, met a wild cast of characters. Here's a couple of them. There was the unnamed king, who never learned who the, name, who the king was. The tomboy, the train train. There was the tomboy, Princess Sabina. There was Homnibus, the friendly enchanter. There was the gossipy, Lady Barbara. Peewit had a brave young pet goat named Biscette. And six years into Johan and Wit's run in Spirou Magazine, specifically in October of 1958, there was a, a plot line that would change everything. Johan and Peewit Oh! Uh, uh, our man, the artist Pierre Coulthard, was always looking to add new, fun, crazy characters into these medieval stories that are happening in the medieval times so in October of 1958, Johan and Peewit are told by Homnibus, the friendly enchanter, about a magical flute that he must retrieve. But oh no, the flute is being held by a mischievous group of magical creatures who live in the mystical woods and they always cause mischief. Uh, and these mischievous magical creatures were known as Lestromps, Lestromphs. Which is fun to say. It sounds like your tongue is sneezing. Lestromphs. So Johan and PeeWit get the flute. Homnibus does his magic and boom. End of story. End of those throwaway secondary characters. We can bring them back in like a year or two. But the readers love Lestromphs. They wanted more Lestromphs. So Pierre's like, okay, I'll bring Lestromphs back because the fans love them. There you go. There's a bit more of the world of Lestromphs. And now we are done. Oh, but the fans want more. And they want Lestromph toys and Lestromph figurines. Okay, I'll bring Lestromphs back again. And again and again until it becomes crystal clear to Pierre Couliford, who loves Johan and Peewit that people only want a uh, Lestromfs and not Johan and PeeWit, not our boys Y and P. Uh, so eventually Johan and Peewit are shelved and Lestromfs explode in popularity. Toys, games, dolls, SO MANY FRICKIN' figurines. They are everywhere! Eventually, they decide to make a movie. A major studio in France says, we're going to make a movie on Les Stromps. And Pierre Coulee-Ford said, hey, I can direct it for you. You want me to direct the movie? I, after all, I did create Les Strumpfs. So they say, okay, Pierre, you can direct the movie. And he goes, great! And hey, while I'm directing, maybe uh, maybe we should put Johan and Peewit into it. Because those were his favorite characters. He wanted Johan and Peewit to explode, not Leschromps. So, uh, Johan and Peewit are the stars of the movie, along with Leschromps. And, and hey, yo, uh, Pierre's like, hey, this movie will explode all over the world. And then Johan and Piewit will be popular again, and I can get back to my love, my first love, which is creating the medieval world of Johan and Piewit. So in 1976 in Belgium, the animated film La Flute à Six strumps was released, and it did fairly okay. But, sadly, it did not reignite the duo of Johan and Piewit. But How here's sad. the odd bit. The Johan and Peewit animated movie would actually receive a massive United States theatrical run. But really? there was a catch. The Johan and Peewit animated movie would, would get a massive US release, but not for another six years. Can you tell me why, bunny?
1: tell you why for another six years. Uh, Because they were communist.
0: No. Because in 1976 most Americans didn't know who the stromps were. Pause for dramatic effect in parentheses. But by 1980 effing three, the movie La Flute a Six Stromps was renamed because mid 80s, American, Americans sure as shit knew who the F the Smurfs were. Boom! Big reveal! I'm a pickle! Okay. And that's why Gargamel is all cauldron y and roby, and he's got his cauldron, and he's doing spells. Because the Smurfs are from medieval times, bitches! Okay. Now that's what we call a shamalan. Yeah, so we owe the creation of the Smurfs to a medieval comic strip from the 1950s called Johan and Peewit. I think that it's a shame that Johan and PeeWit are not known, but they made 100 trillion freaking Smurf figurines. I find that fascinating. Well...
1: uh, I don't know how exactly true that is. I mean, that might be the representation of Smurfs in, like, the cartoons and movies and stuff. But that, but I don't think that they influenced the little figures. The little figures were just yeah. some goofy shit
0: that caught on, and they were everywhere. Oh God! Anyway, I'm surprised that more people, I'm surprised that more people don't know about Johann and Pewit. So that's it for Historic Approximations this week. Be sure and join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with. Oh, And cut on that. We are going to take about a 10-minute break. We're going to show some cartoons and some movies and have a little bit of fun. When we come back, we get to talking about this week's movie, Creed. We're getting into the good modern-day movies, and I'm excited about that. So...